In the name of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Now, it's no secret that New Orleans is a truly unique place. Aside from Mardi Gras and the fabulous food, there are other things that make it different from other places. For example, there's the geography. The city is segregated from the surrounding areas by Lake Pontchartrain on the north side, and the western border is formed by the 17th Street Canal and the Mississippi River. And because it forms that crescent shape around the city, the river also serves as the southern border and part of the eastern border. And even though the city is on the north side of the Mississippi, it's known as the East Bank. And of course, everything on the other side is known as the West Bank. As we all know, within the city, there are other areas of distinct separation. Uptown is generally considered to be an area where the elite reside. But if you visit the area and drive around a bit, you know that some of the mansions on St. Charles Avenue sit within a block of blighted neighborhoods. Then there's the lakefront area, downtown, and mid-city, each supporting a unique lifestyle for its residents. Now, toward the east of the city are the communities of the Lower Ninth Ward, Gentilly, Chalmette, and New Orleans East, again, each with an identity of its own. Now, across the western border, there's Metairie, of course, right here, a suburb of the city, and Kenner our small city neighbor. And finally, the stomping grounds of my youth, that dual community comprised of the tiny city of Harahan and unincorporated River Ridge. Now, that's a lot of differentiation in a relatively small area. And the best part is, each of those areas has its own dialect. Now, that's a lot of the things that are separate the residents of the greater New Orleans area. They're subcultures that come together to form an overarching culture of the city and its outlying areas. In the midst of great difference and opposing worldviews, in a place where devastating poverty exists alongside enormous wealth, where class and ethnic differences continue to be so divisive, there are still many things that unite the people of all these subcultures. Just tune into the Saints game sometime and watch as the camera pans the fans in the Superdome and you can see what I'm talking about. You might see the uptown lawyer with half of his face painted gold and the other half painted black or the fan from the Lower Ninth Ward dressed up in angel wings and all the others gathered in the Superdome with all of their biases and all of their beliefs join under one roof to cheer for their team. It's a time of freedom to be able to set aside what makes them so very different and to embrace that which brings them all together. And in that unity of the, ma- of the masses, there is celebration. Now, of course, Mardi Gras is another time of unity when for a few moments... Nothing in the world is more important than catching a string of plastic bees or a worthless aluminum doubloon. And the same two people, who at any other time would never ever speak to one another, on that same street corner now, 
laugh and dance and share their parade route food and drinks with one another. And in that unity of masses, again, there is great celebration. Hurricanes. Hurricanes unite this diverse population in a different way. I was living in Texas during Hurricane Katrina, and I came to visit New Orleans about six months after the storm. And while I stood in line at a counter of a gas station convenience store, a black man dressed in ragged clothes placed two quarts of motor oil on the counter so that his car could make it home that night. And as he went to pay for the oil, he realized that he didn't have enough money. And he turned around and he placed the oil back on the shelf. Well, immediately, a tough-looking white construction worker grabbed the oil and slammed it down on the counter along with the $20 bill. And he looked to the man with no money and exclaimed in his heavy metery accent, I got this, pal. We all in this together now. And in a place that can be so racially divided, unity can still be found. And in that unity, there is great celebration. And it's true in all places. And it's true for all of us. There are things in our lives that separate us, things that even divide us. And at the same time, there are things that bring us together, despite our many differences. In that room where the disciples were gathered on the Feast of Pentecost, a violent wind filled the house. Now, the Greek word pneuma and the Hebrew word rock both mean wind and spirit. So the wind that blew upon the disciples filled them with the Holy Spirit. And this is critical, a critical point in Scripture because only in the stories of Jesus' infancy do we see anyone receive the Holy Spirit. Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah, Simeon, they were all said to have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Once Jesus began his ministry, only he is said to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so now... His followers have been given the same divine gift. And it is the Holy Spirit that allows Jesus' disciples to speak in languages other than their own. The word Pentecost literally means the 50th day after the Passover. And it's the day of celebration for the wheat harvest. The story tells us that the Jews from every nation were living in Jerusalem and we might assume that they were gathered to celebrate the Pentecost when the disciples began to speak about God's deeds of power. Even though there were so many people from different places of origin, with different life experiences, people who spoke different languages, they were all unified as they heard the Word of God all at once. And each one in her or his own language. On that day of Pentecost, the birth of the Holy Church of God was finally made complete through the coming of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' disciples. And the church continues to live on, to do the work of Christ with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That same Holy Spirit filling believers through holy baptism. 
And it's in our baptisms that we become unified as one to create the body of Christ. The covenant that we enter into and the promises that we make in baptism comprise everything that brings us together and everything that holds us together. We disagree with one another on a lot of things. We disagree on social and political issues. We disagree on how best to raise a child, and some are still upset over the adoption of the new prayer book that came into use 42 years ago. You know, we disagree on an awful lot of things, and I'm convinced that in God's plan, that's how it should be. Because after all, God has given us different experiences and has placed us in cultures and in families made up of different cultures. God has given us a variety of gifts and triumphs and failures that combine to make each one of us a unique child of God. And with all of our diversity of opinions and likes and dislikes, God has called us to come together to be the body of Christ. God has called us under one roof and like a rushing wind has filled us with the Holy Spirit, empowering us to understand the common language of God's love. And so our challenge is not with one another, trying to get others to agree on issues of disagreement. The challenge for us is to stay unified in the mission of God's church while accepting the fact that we will not be of one mind on all matters. And God showed us that this is indeed possible to do. Jews and Gentiles, people from all corners of the Roman Empire, came into one place on the Feast of Pentecost in a sea of diversity and disagreement. And they were united in God's word. And the body of Christ, the church, was formed. And the purpose of God's church has never changed. To unite us as one, proclaiming God's love, caring for the sick, visiting the poor, loving one another, no matter how much we disagree. That is the unity to which God has called each and every one of us no matter our differences. And in that unity, in our unity, there is great celebration. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.